light of infinite. Most of us find it challenging to truly go inward. With life's endless stream of distractions, our desire to be loved and to fit in, in whatever ways that manifests, keeps us focused outward. Avraham, the father of Jewish tradition, discovered the truth by searching what it meant to be his true self and the responsibilities that come with being one's true self. While those around him had fallen to worshiping desires and false idols, as we see from this parasha, sometimes to go further in, you have to go further out. God said to Avram, Go forth from your land, from your birthplace, and from your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you great. You shall become a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. He who curses, I will curse. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. This week in the Torah is the first time Hashem mentions blessings explicitly, right after telling Avram to go to the land that Hashem will show him, but without telling him which land it is. The Zohar explains that Avram evaluated the spiritual nature of each land that he passed through until he reached Israel, the Promised Land, where he was able to experience Hashkacha Prati, or Divine Providence, directly. By not knowing which land to go to immediately, Avram had to discover for himself which land Hashem meant, thereby building up his desire for the Holy Land. When we are tested, our knowledge of what we must do is constricted and hidden from us. And only through the desire to do good, focused on our connection with Hashem, do we find the right path to follow. The answers are in the truest path, the path connected to the ultimate connection to the Creator. As we see in this parasha, Avram is commanded to separate himself even further, not only spiritually, but also physically. Hashem commands Avram, Lech Lecha, go from where you came from and go to where you should be, your promised land. But translated literally, the phrase means go to yourself, as in go and reach your promised land within. Traveling in the Midbar, desert represents an inward journey, a space of silence and wisdom. Rabbi Nachman expounds on Midbar, desert, matana, present, and shtika, silence. In the space of silence in the desert, we find the present of wisdom. Also, the silence is a keter around chokhmah, a sort of fence around wisdom. And we see this in general in our own lives. The silence and the desert represents humility. And when we're dealing with other people, we need to humble ourselves and listen. If we're always talking or we think we know everything, then there's no space for wisdom and to learn from other people and their experiences. But when we humble ourselves and listen, that's when we get chokhmah. But also further in the desert and traveling, the matana is the present of being present, of going inward, of gaining this wisdom through truly being present and not distracted by all the things that are normally in the spaces that we are in. Pardon my ADD brain for a moment, but as I think of this, I'm reminded of Seinfeld, this scene where Jerry looks at Kramer and he says, oh my God, I know what I've been looking for all these years. Kramer looks back curiously and Jerry goes, myself. The Lubavitch Rebbe teaches that going in the Torah has the connotation of moving towards one's ultimate purpose, of service towards one's creator. Here, when it says to yourself, it's speaking of one's soul's essence. In Talmud Rosh Hashanah, it says, Mishane makom, Mishane mazal, which literally means a change of place, a change of luck. So on a personal level, it's often good to get out of the space that you're in physically in order to get out of the difficult space you may be in mentally. In the biblical narrative, Avram needs to reach the promised land so that we can all reach it and receive the blessings that are contained through this journey. But we learn on Avram's journey towards Israel, to the south, to Jerusalem, that he finds himself in a famine and is forced to go down to Egypt. As it's written, and there was a famine in the land, and Avram went down to Egypt. 
This seems like an odd turn of events after he is tasked with the journey and giving blessings of greatness. One possible answer could be that it is this trial, a stumbling block, on the way as a sort of test for Avram, as the Midrash says, much like we covered last week with the story of Rabbi Nachum and Rabbi Akiva, that their unwavering belief that every moment, no matter how difficult, is for the good. Here too, with Avram, the Midrash says he was not angry and did not complain. But the Rebbe points out that this cannot be the case here, since this was not a personal pilgrimage, but one to spread Hashem's name and gather believers to his faith. The Rebbe teaches that we can find an answer in the famous saying, Maase avot siman lebanim. The father's actions are a siman as a sign or a signal for their son. Ramban outlines his approach to the avot's, our forefathers' deeds and actions, seeing the stories about the avot as prophetic indicators of what will occur in future generations. And the prophecies must be fulfilled because the avot's actions actualize them. As an example, Avram goes down to Shechem because of what will later happen there for Dina Bat Yaakov. Avram's descendants into Egypt alludes to Bnei Israel's enslavement there and so on. And so we see in Avram's journey, the history of Bnei Israel was rehearsed and actualized. Just as he went down to Egypt, we did the same through the Egyptian exile. But also, just as Avram went up out of Egypt, we too were brought to Israel, to redemption. And just as Avram left weighed down with cattle, silver, and gold, we did the same, leaving Egypt with greater wealth. This is seen just the same with Sarah. She had protected herself from Pharaoh's advances, and so did the women of Israel when they were in Egypt. And so the descent to Egypt was for its departure, which was weighed down with cattle, silver, and gold, a phrase that was used for Avram and all of Israel's ascent, transforming the most secular to the most high in service of Hashem through sacrifices in the Beit HaMikdash. So we see that Avram's descent to Egypt wasn't counter to his ascent to Israel, to Jerusalem, to the Promised Land. It was integral, because out of darkness comes the greatest light. As my homie Matasiao sings on his single, Jerusalem, out of darkness comes light, ain't no one gonna break my stride, ain't no one gonna pull me down, oh no, I gotta keep on moving. Stay alive, Jerusalem, if I forget you, fire not gonna come from me tongue. Jerusalem, if I forget you, let my right hand forget what it's supposed to do. And so it is with us, with all that seem like unending descents, hardships, and ways to break our stride, we can't let it pull us down. We have to keep moving, keeping our soul's essence and the ultimate purpose of spiritualizing reality until our own redemption, both prati, personal, and klali, public, general, become actualized into the final redemption and the redemptive state, the Edenic state. Reb Natan of Breslov explains that Avram represents our own souls, ones that wish to serve the Creator in the highest ways. Going to yourself means looking inward to yourself, as every person has his own point of truth. To find it, we each need to leave our own land, representing the materialism around us. Leaving your birthplace represents a person's physical desires, sensual pleasures, and depression. Leaving a person's ancestry, or father's house, represents the thoughts of receiving honor and respect from others, and on a literal level, the family who might try to stop the person. Freed from the obstacles, one can reach holiness, the promised land. Once in the space that's promised, Hashem will fulfill the great nation blessings by each person revealing godliness to others. The I will bless you comes in because at that point, the person is able to draw and receive all the blessings. I will make your name great pertains to each person's vitality increasing. And of course, with Avram, we see this even to this day as the majority of the world falls under the Abrahamic faiths elevating his name and soul by believing in one God. And finally, you will be a blessing as manifested through each person's blessings remaining with them. With all this, one can elevate and transform the physical and connect it back to its source, the spiritual, 
thus infusing it with godliness. Avram was 99 years old. God appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be perfect. I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will increase your numbers very much. Rashi explains Hashem commanding Avram to be perfect is a command, as in, walk before me in fulfillment of the command of circumcision, known as the covenant of Avram. And it is this that will bring a perfected state, because while he had a foreskin, Avram was blemished. Rashi also explains that be perfect is stating that at the time Avram was deficient in five body parts, his two eyes, his two ears, and the male organ. It's then that Hashem added the letter He to his name, He representing Hashem and its numerical value is five. By adding it to Avram, the numerical value is now 248, corresponding to the number of a person's limbs. It's also the number of the positive mitzvot, the commandments. Prior to this, he was deficient in the five body parts, exposed to external stimuli that could lead to sin. By adding He, representing Hashem and the covenant circumcision, he exerted control over the five body parts in order to resist temptation so that Avram could reach a perfected state by taking action towards Hashem and the infinite and away from leaving himself exposed to the physical desires of this world of finitude. Avram had a constant struggle with the Yetzirah, the evil inclination for control over the five body parts. Harashi explains with the circumcision, Avram was able to reign over them completely and no longer had to ward off the Yetzirah, the evil inclination. The Bala term teaches that the Hebrew word for I will bless you, which is Ba'avarechecha, is 249, which is equivalent to Avraham, which is 248, because in Gematria there's a principle of Imhakolo, which includes the word itself as one, which makes 248 into 249. And so we see that the addition of the letter changes physical struggle and state, bringing down the spiritual blessings that Hashem had promised. The five senses can't comprehend Amuna, faith, as Amuna is above the senses. Ivri, as Avram was referred to, means Hebrew, and Chazal, our sages, explain that it means that the entire world was on one side, ever, while Avram was on the other, spiritually speaking. In Tchelet Mordechai, Rav Shalom Mordechai points out that Hashem said to Avram, from the same stars that you see that you will not have a child, from there I will show you that you will have a child, showing from the same source which undermines your emuna will come the emuna which brings salvation. In the covenant we are told, he believed in Hashem, and he considered it to him as its staka, righteousness, as we see from the following psukim. He then took Avram outside and said, Look at the sky and count the stars. See if you can count them. God then said to him, That is how numerous your descendants will be. Avram believed in God, and he counted it as staka, righteousness. Emuna, without the need to understand, was what was considered Avram's staka, charity. Rambam explains this in Morei Nevuchim. The word staka comes from tzedek, righteousness, and because of this, every good virtue is referred to as staka. The verse says, And he believed in Hashem, and he considered it to him as staka. This means that he had the virtue of emunah. Rambam teaches that acting according to the letter of law is mishpat, justice, while improving one's good qualities is known as tzedek, righteous. This choice of Avram and his descendants, the chosen people, came because of this emunah and bitachon, trust this spiritual quality that is greater than any other quality. It is this quality that is demonstrated in Naseh v'nishma. Naseh we will do first, then v'nishma, we will hear and understand. This was seen with Noah building the ark prior to knowing the reason why, that the flood was coming. And of course, with us as a people accepting and receiving the Torah prior to knowing what we were accepting. Avram's spiritual greatness was in his emunah, that even when something was not rational, and was beyond his comprehension, 
he maintained his belief. This trait is what set Avraham, Ish Ivri, apart from everyone else in the world. The phrase Ish Ivri is interesting since to this day we refer to Hebrew as Ivri. Sikta Rabati explains that it stems from when Hashem saw the entire world worshipping idols, while Avraham separated himself from them. He called Avraham an Ivri, referring to the fact that Avraham took the opposite side of the rest of the world. The Midrash gives a few different explanations of the phrase. One is that the entire world was on one side, ever, of a scale, and Avram would stand on the other, but because Avram's great stature, the scale would balance. Another opinion is that Avraham was called an Ivri as a genealogical marker to show that he descended from Ever, who was the great-grandson of Noah's son, Shem. A third opinion is that the name came because of his Mesopotamian origins from the other side, Ever, of the Euphrates River, and because he spoke Ivri, which is what they called the Hebrew language. The task of Lechlecha, to go inward to yourself, informs us for each of our own journeys towards self-fulfillment, which is actualized by serving Hashem. Philosopher Alan Gilworth defines self-fulfillment as carrying to fruition one's deepest desires or one's worthiest capacities. Barbara Kerr, author and PhD, defines it as the attainment of a satisfying and worthwhile life well-lived. The Torah and its mitzvot, the avot and their actions are all to pave a path for a worthwhile life well lived, not only in this world but for the next as well. Jumping back into the verses of the parsha, it says there will be in regard to Avram's offering. The Balaturim points out that the gematria of will be, yihyeh, is 30. This comes to teach that there is no generation where the offspring won't total at least 30 righteous people of the stature of Avraham. So Hashem was telling Avraham, there will always be amongst your descendants the count of Yiyeh, of 30 righteous ones. As is stated, now Avraham is sure to become a great and mighty nation. In Talmud Chulin, it expounds on there will always be at least 30 righteous Jews in the land of Israel and 15 in Babylonia, meaning outside of Israel when the nation is in exile, whose merits sustain the world, and that there will always be 30 righteous non-Jews whose merits will sustain the non-Jewish nations of the world. The blessings given to Avraham, which are the first blessings given in the Torah, include Avraham's name being great and his being a blessing. We see that Avraham's name and teachings are indeed the greatest in all the world, as all the major religions stem from them. There's the concept of aliyat neshama, that one elevates a person's soul when doing a mitzvah in the person's name or memory. In this sense, all of the Torah stems from Hashem's blessing Avraham, and so we are all elevating Avraham's soul and memory which shows the power and truth of these first verses in this parasha. We repeat this three times a day when we recite the Amidah, also known as the Shemona Esra, the silent 18 prayers we say daily. We open the bracha blessing calling out, Blessed are you, Lord our God and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, and God of Jacob. And as we close that first bracha, we repeat, Blessed are you, Lord, shield of Abraham. It happens to be this Shabbat in Cheshvan is the Yortzite, two years since my mom passed away. Frida Levona Bat Shalom. These Dvar Torahs and this Sefer, Light of the Infinite, is an attempt for Aliyat Neshama for her and my kids Bubby, Yehuda Schava Bat Yaakov Dov, whose Yortzite marked the first time I attempted to write one of these Dvar Torahs. When I think of these women, I think of Tzedakah and Chesed, words that are hard to translate because they capture the real depths of words like generous, giving, loving, and kindness. These two women embodied and exemplified these qualities to an angelic degree, so full of life, love, warmth, and light at every turn and in every single moment. Being around them inspired me to be more loving, more giving, 
more full of zest for each moment in life. With great blessing comes great responsibility. And as Rev. Joseph B. Salavichik writes in The Lonely Man of Faith, the biblical account of the original sin is the story of man of faith who realizes suddenly that faith can be utilized for the acquisition of majesty and glory, and who, instead of fostering a covenantal community, prefers to organize a political utilitarian community, exploiting the sincerity and unqualified commitment of the crowd for non-covenantal, worldly purposes. The history of organized religion is replete with instances of desecration of the covenant. And so, each of us is tasked with not only upholding the covenant of Avram, but of doing right with all the blessings that come from it, going inward to elevate ourselves to the Most High, and spiritualizing reality, which inspires all those around us to do the same. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.